Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Good Good Judgment Judgment Podcast. Podcast. Folks, this is a podcast that's purpose is for Georgia judges or anybody else who might be interested in what goes on in the courtroom. Please understand that we are Georgia-focused, meaning that we are going to focus our attention on issues that arise under Georgia law, but occasionally we will get into some subjects of common interest. And we really appreciate you folks listening. And as we go to the studio audience, we ask, please hold your applause till the end. All right, now to the studio. Hey, folks, welcome again to another episode of the Good Judgment Podcast. I'm Wade Padgett. And I'm Tane Kell. Hey, Wade, remember when we asked our listeners to suggest some topics for future episodes? I do, Tane. How did that go? Well, today's episode is one of those suggested topics. Oh, yeah, that's right. People asked for us to talk about the Georgia Child Support Guidelines and more specifically about the online child support calculator. So, Tane, who do you think would be a couple of the best people in Georgia to get on a topic like that? Oh, well, Wade, no question. The first two names that come to mind to me are Ms. Elaine Johnson and Ms. Noel Legue Alvarez. You know what? What are, what are their job titles? Do you know? Yeah, sure. Ms. Uh, Johnson is the uh, Child Support Guidelines Coordinator uh, for the state of Georgia, working through the AOC. And uh, Noel Legue Alvarez is the staff attorney uh, for the guidelines. Uh, and, and if I was wrong about that, they'll correct me. But uh, that's what LinkedIn told me. So You know uh, what? Instead, what of you, instead of you telling everybody, why don't we let them tell them and welcome them in? That's a good idea. Ms. Johnson, why don't you start us off? Good morning. Welcome to the Good Judgment Podcast. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting us. We're very excited about the opportunity to speak to our Georgia judges. Now, Ms. Johnson, did you did he get your title right? Well, a little bit. Um, in fact, um, it's actually executive program manager. And uh, Noelle and I both serve as staff to the Child Support Commission. We wear a lot of hats. <laughs> And uh, one of them is is the Child Support Guidelines and Calculator work and working for the commission, working with the commission as staff. There are three of us on staff. And the third part of our little triangle is Latana Lawrence, who uh, is our um, program coordinator. Uh, so I'm a manager level. Um, Michelle Barclay is my supervisor at the Judicial Council AOC, and we're all part of the communications, children, families, and the courts division of that agency. So, Noel, did he get your title right? Yes, in large part. But as Elaine mentioned, we all wear a lot of hats at the AOC. So I am um, the assistant division director for the division that Elaine just explained, communications, children, families, and the courts. So um, I serve as staff to also the um, Access to Justice Committee, the Justice for Children Committee. I do general communications work, including things like the Georgia Courts Journal. And then my fourth hat is indeed staff attorney to the Georgia Child Support Commission. Man, that's a lot of hats. You guys <laughs> must get hat heads so bad by the end of the day. That's we terrible. do, <laughs> yeah. but we do wear pretty hats. Okay. All right. That's excellent. That's excellent. Well, we have all sorts of questions about the child support guidelines and the online child support calculator. Um, but First, we do have sort of one basic question. How does someone find themselves in the position of the executive program director of the Mm -hmm. Child Support Commission? Just give us a little bit about your background. Okay. Um, Well, I have been fortunate enough to have worked with two um, excellent district attorneys in my career. 
started out in uh, the Atlantic circuit working for DuPont Cheney, and he's passed several years ago, and then moved to the Clayton circuit, worked for Bob Keller. And um, once I was there, uh, there was an opportunity to work for the state child support office, the Division of Child Support Services. So I took a position there in 2003 in their policy unit. And the policy unit led me um, to being shared by the agency with Child Support Commission. And the staff attorney at that time, um, uh, Jill Radwin, she has also passed in, in, in several years ago. But she's who I originally began to work with. And our role was, uh, I was sort of a liaison from Division of Child Support Services. And I'm going to call it DCSS because it's kind of a big, you know, set of words there. Um, it's an acronym. I'm bad about acronyms. I apologize. You're in state um, government. You're supposed to be. I, I, can, I could say government. <laughs> the executive <laughs> branch where I used to work and, and now I'm in the judicial branch. I'm really happy there. Um, but working with DCSS led me into the work with the Child Support Commission initially, just as a liaison to the commission. And it led to uh, realizing that the Division of Child Support Services couldn't do all the work necessary in supporting the Child Support Calculator. And so in 2007, uh, a job was developed at the AOC and I applied for it and got it. I'm you know, very lucky that I got that job and very pleased love working at the AOC and um, supporting our judges. And of course, I deal with the public and attorneys as well. And uh, so that's kind of what got me to where I am. And uh, I've just always worked with the Child Support Calculator. I started in with the statute work in 05. In 06, we began to build the calculator. And so that's been my primary job is to make sure that it runs. So, Noel, how, how did you? I don't you do the programming. Oh, so, I'm sorry, <laughs> Noel. How did you wind up here? Well, I'd say bottom line is I'm a litigator. I've been an attorney um, since 2005. Just briefly, my background: I was at a very large firm in Atlanta for several years with Paul Hastings. Then I went and worked as the program director and staff attorney for the Fulton County Business Court for a bit. I took some time to be home with my boys when they were young. And then I went back and I worked for the U.S. Department of Labor on, in a contract position. Did that for a couple of years. And, um, and now I'm here and I, I couldn't be happier, but that's my background. So in terms of acronyms, I now know Fulton County acronyms, federal acronyms, and I'm well on my way to knowing all the state acronyms. You know, that's pretty, pretty much the test for your longevity and government work is how many acronyms do you know? Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I worked on a commission recently and I had to get them to give me a cheat sheet because they, they kept throwing out all these acronyms. And I'm like, I'm years behind you guys. Just give me a give me a cheat sheet. <laughs> all right. So let's talk a little bit, y'all, about who serves on the commission. And is it an appointee thing? If people run for that? I mean, I mean, you know, do we elect them? Who's on the child support commission? Sure. Um, well, that is set by statute. And there are 15 members of the commission who are appointed by the governor. Um, three of those members are mandated by statute to be superior court judges. Um, one member must be from either the Supreme Court of, of Georgia or the Georgia Court of Appeals, or if one of those justices or judges wants to designate somebody. Then two members must be from the Georgia House of Representatives and two members need to be from the Georgia State Senate. Then there's um, seven other 
members selected by and appointed by the governor. How often do y'all meet and like kick around really cool child support ideas? I mean, I would imagine at some point this would be maddeningly uh, mundane without talking about individual cases or or cases where you've had a, a weird outcome based upon the guidelines. Do y'all yeah. meet on the reg- regularly? Well, and I'll take that, Elaine, and then you jump in. Yeah. I mean, nobody gets weeds on Georgia child support more than Elaine and I. So Elaine and I talk shop like like nobody's business. But um, yeah, the, the commission certainly meets regularly. And when there's some particularly thorny issue, we do have study committees and certainly also standing committees such as statute review committee, um, calculator committee. But right now we have two important study committees going on, one being the low income deviation study committee and the um, Parenting Time Deviation Study Committee. So those are where, even more so than general commission meetings, where um, really things get, you know, thoroughly discussed and hashed out and certainly reported back to the entire commission. In fact, we have a commission meeting coming up on December 4th. Wait, that sounds like a perfect opportunity. You know, um, (laughs) I'm pretty sure I need to cut the grass that day. Um, Elaine, it's okay. what, happened, what happened to the Excel version of the spreadsheet? Um, okay, so what happened with it? Um, it was, um, number one, it was, it's a Microsoft product. Excel was an, is a Microsoft product, so it was owned by a company who didn't care what happened with our child support calculator. With that in mind, what began to happen in 2013 was you started to hear about cloud, you know, the iCloud. You could store things there. So we made some inquiries, um, some concerns about that, and uh, ended up talking with a great guy at Georgia Tech. Um, sorry, Bear Tain, he is. This was a great guy from Georgia Tech. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't even have words. Go ahead. <laughs> I know. I'm really sorry, but Scott Harlan, great guy from Georgia Tech, and he came before the commission. We had another couple of people who came and explained that with the uh, implementation of the cloud it changed how we were going to receive Excel as an application. And I got some firsthand experience of that. I bought a new computer in uh, like January of 2014. And when I asked about the bundle of, you know, software that I traditionally was buying with a new computer, well, you don't do that anymore. You download it. So it it really became evident to us that we were going to lose control of the product because It's really important that, um, well, for the purpose of running the Excel calculator, we had multiple versions. We had the 03 version, the 07 version, the 2010 version, the 2013 version, and all of those had to be backward compatible. So no matter which one you had loaded on your computer, when you opened the calculator, the Excel calculator, it would do all of the things it had to do. Well, when we looked at having to go to the, we knew that the the 2016 version was looming. Um, We, and we had all this expertise coming in saying, you're going to come in to work one day and your Excel calculator is not going to work. I mean, that was literally what we were facing, that it was going to stop working for us because if it's downloaded from the cloud, we would have no way to be able to make, you know, handle all that backward compatibility requirement so that it would, the calculator would run in any environment. 
It was going to be the Y2K of child support. <laughs> well, it kind of was. Dun, dun, dun. It kind of was. It was that aha moment of we cannot function in this state without an operating child support calculator. We're going to so have the- to go out and get bottled water and canned goods <laughs> and flashlight exactly. batteries. Exactly. Yep. I get it. And so- I get it. Yeah. So we made that command decision. The commission did. You know, I don't make that. Noelle doesn't. She wasn't with me back at that time, although it would have been uh, lovely to have had her with me. But, you know, a lot of people played a big role in making those decisions. I don't uh, make these decisions on my own. I I counsel with uh, Noelle, um, lots of other members, talk with the commission. Judge Michael Key, juvenile court judge in in LaGrange, is our chair of the commission. But we, we take these things very seriously. We take nothing lightly and we make long-term decisions. We really study things to make sure we're making the right choices. I know it was painful to give up the Excel. It personally was very painful. That was the first tool we created before we went into creating the original web base that failed. Um, but it was hard for me to let go. But I love the online calculator. Well, while we're while we're there, let's go ahead and give out the address, the web address for the online calculator, just for all of our listeners, because they may want to be, you know, play with it or something while we're while we're talking about all of this. <laughs> not while so. you're driving. If you're driving in a car, do not do not use the the calculator while you're driving. But do That's we have? Right. Can you give out the web address for that while we're uh, talking to folks? Yeah, the the simplest thing is, is, of course, there is a web address directly for the calculator itself, but it's lengthy. So the easiest way to get to it is to go to CSC, which stands for Child Support Commission, dot Georgia spelled out, courts with an S on the end of it, dot gov. So CSC dot Georgia courts dot gov. And then from there, you have a button to press to get to the calculator. Awesome. And um, Elaine, I just want to share our slogan with everybody. Elaine and I definitely yes. say Excel is excused to remind everybody that the sole, exclusive, only child support calculator for the state of Georgia is the online child support calculator. Because unfortunately, we still hear anecdotally of um, through attorneys and um, especially judges, staff attorneys, that folks are still, um, you know, still using and handing in uh, Excel versions of the the worksheet. So Excel is extinct. Please do no no longer because simply it's no longer updated. It's no longer supportive. The latest version is online. And so that switch was mandated on October 1st, 2018. So we're over two years that folks are supposed to be using exclusively the online version. You know, a lot of us are conspiracy theorists out there. A lot of our friends on the on the bar are. Do you, is somebody keeping up with all this information? Are y'all downloading all of these child support worksheets and like keeping up with how many low income deviations there are? Um, okay, so I'll take this one, Noel. Okay, so no, we do not monitor what judges are doing with child support worksheets. Um, That's a how relief. we. Now we do keep up with what we need to keep up with. There are a couple of reasons, a couple of things we're doing. Every four years, we have to do a quadrennial review of, you know, same four quadrennial, same thing. But um, we have to do that review as required by the federal government in order to report back to the federal government that our guidelines are appropriate for our state. We don't do the study. 
Uh, we hire a company to actually do the study who comes in and looks at the all the economic data necessary to figure out what is the cost of raising children in Georgia and what does it take for parents to contribute to help support their kids. What we do as part of that study is we gather child support orders, temporary final, during a certain time period, and their associated child support worksheets, and in some instances, the addendums. And what we do with those is we do have a massive Excel spreadsheet. So we do use Excel for other things. It's, it's a great problem. But we do take that spreadsheet and load it up with all kinds of information about every one of these orders and worksheets that we read. We are not collecting the names of individual people in those cases. We do not collect civil action numbers. We do collect the county and we don't collect judges' names. We don't, that information is not relevant to what we're doing. We are actually looking at uh, making sure that Georgia is compliant with federal regulations that say we're not supposed to have a high number of deviations um, in our worksheets because the deviations, if you do have a high number, it indicates that your table might be a bit too high or out of touch with you know, the real cost of raising children. Um, so what we're doing is we'll, read, we'll have probably 400 to 600 orders and worksheets that we will read over a period of about a month's time because it takes that long to do this. We load all this data in, but we're looking at what was the support amount you know, under each parent's column, you know, what kind of adjustments were made, additions, um, you know, from schedules B and D, and then what were the deviations? We have to track those deviations. The other purpose of this is that we're looking to find out where are the attorneys or the pro se litigants having difficulty with the worksheets? Because we can see mistakes that they make and it helps us to then be aware of, okay, here, we need to train more in this area. We need to do a handout or something like that uh, to, to help them to understand uh, more, you know, more about using, um, you know, putting information into the worksheet, make sure they're putting the right information in, in the right places. Well, and that leads me to a question that I had. And are there some issues or uh, things that, that tend to be consistently uh, problems that, that judges or lawyers have with the worksheet or questions that you get asked repeatedly that we could could talk about today and maybe help resolve for some of our listeners? Um, let's see, Noelle, jump in on this too, because I know that um, you have, a, I mean, one of the things that you probably want to know about is the pre-existing order. That's one of them that seems to stump a little bit of everybody. Um, yeah. You mean, why yeah. do we need to know what time the order was filed? I know. Well, um, I can I can go through this for a second. Yeah, that sounds good. Noelle's going to take that for us. And Elaine will certainly jump in, but I'm going to zoom us back out for a split second to orient us as to why that time field is important. Because I agree, it's not obvious. But it's important to remember that the child support calculator needs to be able to handle every type of case that could possibly involve child support. So what comes to mind immediately for most people is a typical divorce case where there's uh, children born of the marriage and child support is part of that divorce action. But there's also times, um, for instance, DCSS has um, just obligates people for child support. There's all child support can come up um, in um, foster. 
involving foster children or when there's a non-parent custodian. So it, it comes up in a variety of cases. So what had happened is DCSS has it as part of their procedure to sometimes obligate the same non-custodial parent in multiple cases on the same day. So then in the future, if there's ever a modification of one of those orders, if you need to determine which order was pre-existing, which is required by statute, and they all happened on the same day, you could have a, a giant circle of which was the first order and, and, and no one would recall. So they specifically requested of the commission that a field be added to the calculator to document the exact time, which we know for most people seems ridiculous to note, but it's very important for certain entities. And so, um, we also, we, so that was added to the calculator. And so there's, there's sometimes fields that it's perfectly fine that if that doesn't pertain to your case to leave it blank. It asks for the DCSS case number. Again, it asks for the time of the pre-existing order. Um, if it doesn't apply to your case, it's perfectly fine to leave that blank. But that's where the, 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 the time, not only the date, but the time came in. But there are some things that if you don't fill out, you can't go forward or you can't get a result. Now, I don't know which ones those are. Maybe all, maybe Tane does, maybe everybody else does, and I'm the last one to the party, but I don't think so. I, there are some things, if you don't answer, you don't get an answer, you can't get a result. So we're of the opinion, you've got to fill in every blank everywhere. Nobody has any idea what time of day that order was entered. Everybody just writes noon and it just kind of oh. move along. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I can answer um, that situation for you. The calculator does have required fields. If you look at the, the screen itself, when you're on the worksheet or any of the schedules, if you see a red asterisk, that is a required field. And the calculator will stop you with a little error message saying, wait, you forgot to fill in something that's, that's extremely important. And it won't let you move forward off that page. However, for instance, the time or date of that pre-existing order, none of that information is a required field. You can leave that time blank. If you're the division of child support services, then clearly they want to include that time as if they're doing a modification because it is, it's very relevant to them. Um, but for everyone else, you can leave it blank. So always look for the red asterisk. And if it is a required field, that is representative of that required field. Okay. Now, one of the things that it takes, I'm going to jump over to schedule E, which is our deviations. There are three types of deviations on that schedule that are dependent upon knowing who is the non-custodial parent. So back on the worksheet, there's a field, it's field 13, where you identify who is the non-custodial parent. However, you don't always know at the beginning of this process who that's going to be, especially if it's a shared parenting, which you then jump back to the, the statute subsection A, for definitions nine and 14, and that helps you determine shared parenting, who is my non-custodial parent for the purpose of paying child support. So, but on Schedule E, if you've not selected a non-custodial parent and you select for, you, you try to include a low-income deviation, a specific or non-specific deviation, or a parenting time deviation, the calculator is going to throw you back over to the worksheet in the area of you know number 13 to select that non-custodial parent because in each of these instances the statute says non-custodial parent is the person or someone that's a party 
including the judge, uh, you know, can ask for that, but you have to know who your non-custodial is in order to apply the deviation correctly. Same thing with the specific, non-specific, and with parenting time. And you can certainly have both parents as non-custodial parents, especially uh, like Noelle mentioned, foster care cases with the Division of Child Support Services. Um, you can have, you know, they'll be, they'll prepare worksheets that are going to have both parents listed as non-custodial. Um, but basically look for those red asterisks. If there's one present, then that is a required field. But it, none of those, the only thing that they'll prevent you from doing is the first four fields, you have to enter that information. It's name, court, county, uh, names of parties, and then you can save the worksheet. And when you are adding, you have to add children and you have to have income for the calculator to go to the table and grab that basic child support obligation amount and toss it into the worksheet to know what that number looks like. So if you enter everything on schedule on the worksheet itself and you're like, I want to display and see what my, you know, what this looks like, the calculator is going to make you go over to um, schedule A. You have to enter income and children or the table doesn't know what to do with your numbers. That yeah. Information. Well, let me ask this. Child, child care expenses are uh, often a hot topic of uh, dispute during child support determinations. And a couple of years ago, the guidelines were modified to allow daycare to be addressed outside of the worksheet. And I, I don't know how Wade feels about that, but personally, if you were involved in that, thank you, thank you, thank you, because it was really messing up our ability uh, to have, well, people were having to come back and get their child support modified when daycare was no longer an issue and that sort of thing. Um, talk a little bit about how that change was received. And then I have a second question for you, which is, um, is there any thoughts of letting extracurricular expenses also be, uh, be, be uh, determined outside the worksheet because of the changing nature of those as well? But anyway, tell, tell mm -hmm. us how that was received. Noelle, do you want to take the um, work-related child care question? Well, you really have the history on that. I don't know how it was received. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. Um, okay. So th that's a good point. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the reason that the commission considered that question was because people were coming to us, judges were coming to us and saying, um, this is really problematic. Um, and, and I can even, you know, one of the things I thought about at the time that we were dealing with that, I had a four-year-old granddaughter and my son and daughter-in-law were uh, paying like $800 a month for her to go to a private uh, preschool, um, you know, very nice preschool situation. And, but at the same time, the very next year when she was going to be five years of age, she was going to be attending um, the public school uh, kindergarten at where her mother teaches. And so one of the things that came to mind for me was, gosh, that's a really gigantic expense. And they're not divorcing. You know, I'm real happy they're together. But <laughs> they were, it would have been that situation where if they got a divorce when she was four years old, then they would have had needed to come back to court just a year later to get that modified to pull that 800 a month out. So it that was that kind of scenario was what was explained to the commission from we get phone calls from judges sometimes who talk to us about things. Uh, we love to hear from our judges about the guidelines and calculators. Do you really do you yeah, really you love to hear from judges? <laughs> I do. I really do. As I really do. Nice. Okay. They are. You know what? Nice. The, you know, in the, the my experience when when I worked in the Atlantic Circuit, there were there were the Superior Court judges down there. I just adored all of them, um, and 
Um, well, I learned to really work with judges at that time, and I've just been blessed in my career to have great judges to work with. Well, a lot so, of our a lot of our guests like to give out their private cell phone numbers for the judges to call. <laughs> Wade, can we get them at the end of the, and we'll print yeah, we'll get this that on the in. website. Yeah. What's our website, yeah, Wade? Yeah. It's goodjudgepod.com. <laughs> That's right. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. They can call the commission if they need to get in touch with you. But anyway. Yeah. All right. So, so let's, so, so, so let's go. There, yeah, let's go. Been, That's exactly what I was going to do, Tane. You go ahead. Ask them the, the question you were going to ask. Yeah. Has there been any thought about allowing extracurricular activities to um, be yeah. uh, determined outside the worksheet? Because we do have the same problem with those. They fluctuate. They go up and down. They end. They start. Yeah. Sure. That, yeah. And, you know, I was just thinking about um, what does it say in the statute about that? And so Elaine is famous for reminding, especially attorneys, let's look at the statute. Let's look at the statute. Yeah. See, I want to preface that by explaining I am not a lawyer. So the first place I have to go is the law to see what does it say. So I'm one of those that. I even have little tabs on the edge of my statute that have words on each little tab so I can look things up quickly and easily. So I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to the statute. And it's a lengthy statute. I tell people, if you're having some insomnia, go sit down and read that at night. It'll put you to sleep. In all candor, you know? it's one of the most difficult statutes to cite and to follow. I understand why it has the 19615A, then A1, then A1A, yeah. and then A1A1B. The I, I understand. It's just really hard to track once you find what you're looking for, how you need to cite it in your order or whatever. There's so many, yeah. there's like a whole entire alphabet and number section after the 19615. Yeah. Well, on my little tabs, I actually have all of those cited so that I can quickly find them. Uh, but what the statute does say is extraordinary expenses sh shall be considered on a case-by-case -case basis in the calculation of support, you know, may form the basis for a deviation. And that's at um, I, subsection I, is in Ida, 2J, uppercase J. Um, so when it says shall, you know, we take that to mean, yes, it's supposed to be included in the worksheet. However, <laughs> having said that, we know just anecdotally from hearing from attorneys, um, more so attorneys than anyone else, that they will negotiate those things in the order. Um, and, the, you know, the judges are signing orders appropriate for the case. And, and we believe that that's what judges do is they're hearing evidence and testimony and, and uh, you know, they're making the appropriate decision for the children in that case. So we, you know, we, Noelle and I could talk about, and we could certainly bring this to the attention of the commission, because that's, when someone comes to us and says, hey, there's a, there's a problem here, this is really not working in the real world for us, we could certainly take that to the commission and say, let's, let's look at it. Three, we have a statute review committee, and Judge uh, Sean LaGrua is the chair, and co-chair is attorney Katie Connell. So we can certainly do that. And Elaine, did you want to just take them through? Because I think you say this really well. Um, the that seven percent of the oh, the special expenses and the extraordinary the extraordinary expenses on occasion, and really uh, the intricacies of that. I'll jump in, but I really need to just pause for a moment and give kudos to my dear friend and colleague Elaine Johnson. She really is. I call her the Google of Georgia child support. She has encyclopedic knowledge of child support. So I've been doing this for just a little over a year. 
And I, when I started, I said, okay, child support. Yeah, I'll be on that. You know, I've come up to speed on many areas of law. Like I said, I litigated, I've done you know, complex business litigation. I've done labor stuff. So anyway, I'm telling you, it is unbelievable just how complicated child support can be. People think it's very straightforward and it is not. And so um, anyway, Elaine, just, I really want to recognize you and acknowledge you for that. And then just now wait, now wait, and I know who to call. Oh yeah, and, <laughs> and and we've got that private cell number, so that's gonna, <laughs> that's going to work out really great. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, I'm sorry, Noel. Go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 thank you. Absolutely, I I regularly joke with people. I'm like, yeah, feel free to call us anytime, especially call Elaine. <laughs> so, anyway, um, but Elaine, why don't we just talk about what's included in the BCSO, and then if you want to deviate for extraordinary reasons, because say you have a child who's like a as in we do in training, a, a, a piano prodigy, and they have extraordinary expenses for travel some, baseball. Wade, how much uh, yeah. travel, travel does soccer. travel baseball come? Right. Travel soccer, cheer, <laughs> cheer, yeah, competition, right. cheer. Right, right. Got oh gosh, yeah. My son was a travel baseball player for five years. So I've done that circuit, so I know what you're talking about. You know, that's um, a college education. That's that's <laughs> it's, that's enough for a car right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, once you get a presumptive amount of child support on line nine of the worksheet, then you know you're looking, you're going to your deviations and so forth. One of the ones that um, this is sort of in line with what you asked earlier about where we get some questions and so forth. This is one of those areas: special expenses for child rearing and. We get calls from people saying, well, my special expenses didn't get, didn't get included. Well, that's because you do, the statute says it's that up to 7% is included in the table itself for a lot of these expenses for children. Um, and that, sort of that, things. that does get overlooked by us from time to time. I mean, that, that 7% um, inclusion is something that, that judges and litigants forget about from, from time to time. Right. But that that is there for those um, those special expenses, you know, for child rearing. And there's a you know a little list of what they have in here. But um, you know, they talk about school related expenses, mute, and and I'm not, I'm not talking about education expenses, but your um, you know things you have to pay for at school. You know, like maybe you have to participate in football, you have to pay two hundred dollars for the year. You know, things like that. Field trips, things like that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But it's, it, these are things that are going to enhance that child, you know, help that child um, in that child-rearing process to grow and prosper and the things that they're learning um, outside of education. And so the calculator is programmed to understand until I reach that, you know, something beyond that 7%, then we don't include it. So it's, you're, you're feeding in the information, um, you know, how much annually for each individual child is the special expense, there might be multiple, and you do have to list, you have to add them in separately, and then the calculator takes it from there and says, okay, I need to go back and look at the BCSO, and I need to get 7% of that, and anything above that on a monthly average basis is going to be included in the calculation, and then of course that's prorated between the parents. So if you actually look at Schedule E, that's that 7% calculations occurring at the very bottom of the page. But if you go back up to 12A through 12G, you get where all that is pulled together for the three different types of extraordinary expenses, education, medical, and special. Well, you know, I'm really glad you went to Schedule E. Okay. Because <laughs> we as judges have been beat to death 
with deviations and not answering the three gosh darn questions. Yes. Yes. One of the things that, you know, Tane and I handle all new judge training for Superior Court judges in Georgia. We're about to do it here again in the next couple of weeks. And we talk That's about guidelines and we talk about how to do it and what to do and all of those things. And we try to, I don't know, embarrass, beat, uh, stress, cajole. I don't know what other words go here. Force. Answer the three darn questions. You right. have, as the judge, enough discretion to do what you need to do. Whatever you think the appropriate amount of support is, provide it. You answer the three questions. <laughs> right. Yeah. We try so hard to to stress that that would apply even in an uncontested divorce where the parties have agreed to $500 a month child support. That's not what the presumptive amount is. If there's any That's deviation, correct. rounding up, rounding down, whatever, you have to answer the three gosh darn questions. And I, I will admit, it, sometimes it is hard to answer a question intellectually, honestly, when you say, how would this deviation serve the best interest of the child? I mean, you know, I understand that that getting less money is usually not in the child's best interest. But right. in all candor, I really think that it would be best if if we talk for just a minute about the discretion that we have and what appears on Schedule E. Okay, so as far as the calculator is concerned, those three are required fields um, because they're findings of fact. And we've had early on uh, when the, because the, the statute was effective, uh, Jan, let's see, January 1, 2007. And then by 2010, we began to see some court of appeals cases where they addressed that very specifically and said, you know, you have to answer those questions, no doubt. And there's, there have been several times we've seen that. And so we did make those require fields. So you can't leave Schedule E without answering those three questions. And when we train that, uh, we tell people, it's not a matter of you can't answer them with yes, no, or in the best interest of the court, because only the, you know, the judge is gonna make that kind of determination or best interest of the child, excuse, excuse me. And so it's a situation where we're training heavily out there saying, you can't just answer a question with yes or no, or in the best interest of the child. You have to explain why. And you have to explain it for each requested deviation for each child. So we actually tell people, you know, put the child's name on there, indicate what that deviation's about, if it's extraordinary expenses or whatever it might be. Um, special expenses, and then explain it. Or if it's low-income deviation, then you're just answering to low-income deviation, but they have to answer all of those three questions as, as findings of fact. Noelle, do you want to jump in with anything on that? Yeah, just echoing what we say, we, we feel your pain. We equally train, train extensively on, in fact, I say in, uh, in the the version of training we're giving right now, I go through those three questions and, and, and based on our training fact pattern, spell out to people what I would offer to the court as findings of fact. But it's difficult because, you know, it's so case specific, as we've been saying all morning long. So, but yeah, it's just, it's mission critical that you give an adequate factual basis 
to allow the judge, you know, a meaningful reason to grant such a deviation. Because there is wide discretion granted to our judges, and we do think that is generally important. Um, because so, so do we, right, Wayne? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is very important. Then that's really kind of why we did this, because one of the one of the complaints about the worksheets is something that can be addressed. And 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 as you do your trainings, we're going to talk and we're going to make sure you have the opportunity to tell everybody how to get in touch and learn about training. But it would be very helpful if people better understood how lawyers in preparing for litigation can share the worksheet with the judge uh, on the, on yes. the website and then the judge because what come what what inevitably happens is they come to court with a written piece of paper that has mm -hmm. his income is 43 and hers is 32 and you find it's really 48 and 29 right and it doesn't have certain things listed and you have no ability to like scratch it out and do a circle because you can't come up with a number to determine if you need to deviate, you can't do anything with it. It's like somebody handing you a stone and it's like, you know, now make something out of this right quick. And okay. so unless you go in log back in to the work, to the calculator, and that's assuming you have a calculator, uh, a computer on the bench, which is not right. very common. And you go in and you start reentering all the data again, including the names and all that stuff. If, if somebody needs to share it with you and they can, but or can, they can make it editable or whatever you want to call it, it the, the website allows for that, correct? Yes, you can edit. And actually, this is sort of a multi-layered kind of response. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, um, let's see, Look, I'm, I'm going to go back to Excel days. Even if you were using Excel or you're using the online calculator, you had to have a computer. Either way, you have right. to have access to a computer. Yep. And when we're doing training, we explain to people that you need to know within your court, how does the judge want this worksheet presented? Is Does the judge want to see a hard copy? Does the judge, you know, say, lawyers, you need to bring your laptop into the courtroom, be prepared to make edits to that worksheet while in the courtroom? You know, do they need to print? Would they even have the capability of finding a way to print, put it on a flash drive, run to the clerk's office, get a printed copy? I don't know. Logistically, those are things that have to be worked out. Um, but either way, yes, when they're bringing you a hard copy, that becomes, you know, fundamentally a little bit difficult to navigate unless the pro se litigant or the lawyer has come into the courtroom with a laptop to be able to make edits at that time. Now, Lawyers, I'm going to talk about sharing, and then I'm going to go to how do the judge accesses. Lawyers can share worksheets. There's a mechanism in the folder. When you save a worksheet, and you can save multiple versions in the same folder, you have reasons to create multiple versions using a copy feature. Then when you're ready to, you know, say, I want, you know, the other lawyer to have a copy of my worksheet to look at it, there's a share button. You click that button, and it gives you the opportunity to put in the email address of the lawyer and whether you want them to have modify rights, whether it's you only, do I want them to have it for one week, one month, one year, you know, indefinitely they can, you know, have that. If they then receive it and they decide to edit, they're editing the version in their folder and not yours. Okay. So as a user that's preserving, you know, what they shared, um, the, 
the that's the way that attorneys would do it or pro se litigants would do that that they would be sharing that way now if for the judge what can happen and we develop this process in the calculator the um, attorney or the pro se can click another button in that folder that says make available to court now when that happens there's a certificate of service that pops up that we hope pro se litigants because this is intended for pro se's um, because we don't we don't want them to have those ex parte communications with you as the judge so this is a way to help alleviate that they would then have to print that certificate and sign it and so forth and make sure they're also notifying the other party lawyers understand that process and we're trying to promote the pro se's and understanding that as well at that point the worksheet has not traveled anywhere it's just still sitting in the calculator but when you as the judge log in as long as someone in my office, Noel, me, or Latana, have changed your user type to judge or judicial staff, when you log in, you're seeing all the worksheets in Georgia that have been made available to the court. And that might sound scary, but there's a reason for that. We realized, and we had judges talk to us about this when we were developing the calculator. Judge uh, in Cherokee County might fill in in Cobb or vice versa or Bartow or something, you know, located close to each other. And that might be something that's happening is a judge is filling in on the bench for someone else. So we didn't want to create a situation where when you logged in as the visiting judge, you had to find that worksheet by asking that other judge to share it with you. So we created the make available to court uh, function. Well, in doing that, when you log in, as long as we have you coded correctly, and then I'll speak to that in a minute, then when you log in, you're first searching by county. You can, you can put in multiple pieces of information in the search and drill down to finding that worksheet. You can put in the civil action number. Uh, if it's a DCSS case, um, you can put in their STARS number. So there are multiple ways, you know, that you, you can just load all that information in and find that one worksheet you're looking for. So that's the way that an attorney can also transmit because if it's made available to the court and you've logged in and you're sitting on the bench with your computer, you could pull that worksheet up yourself and make the edits yourself. And when you do, it does change the version in that user's folder so that they could then print another copy for you. So if one of our judges, colleagues, lawyers, litigants wanted some help learning how to really use the online calculator, let's put out there and make sure they understand exactly who they need to contact and how that might happen. Sure. I mean, the best thing to do is go to csc.georgiacourts.gov. That's the Georgia Child Support Commission website. And there's a wealth of information on there, frequently asked questions. Um, contact information for me and Elaine. Also at the very top, there's a drop-down menu um, called training, and you'll see that we have regularly scheduled training. We try to do it at least once a month. We're now doing it via Zoom, and we literally share our screen and take people physically through the calculator. They don't need to be logged into the calculator. They just watch our screen as we do things, and, and then we routinely have a large answer and question um, session at the end. Last, uh, just on Monday, we did a training and we stayed on an hour after the training. We, we loved this gang. They were, we were getting into it with some serious questions. Um, so that was, it was almost like an open office hour, but um, so yeah, I, I direct them primarily to the website or again to Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> 
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, folks, we want to thank our guests today, Miss Elaine Johnson and Miss Noel Legue Alvarez. We know that th- this takes a great deal of time from their busy schedule to be here and to share their wisdom experience with our listeners. But Lord knows we need it. Yeah. And, you know, I think really the most important thing that we learned today, Wade, was if there are any problems that you have whatsoever with the calculator at all ever, you can blame that on Georgia Tech. And I, I, think, I think that's I think that makes sense to us all. And I think that's really important for us to learn. Well, we do thank our guests today. And uh, we also thank you, our loyal listeners uh, at the Good Judgment Podcast. I am Tane Kell. And I'm Wade Padgett. And again, we want to thank you all for listening to the Good Judgment Podcast. Tane, what do you talk about washing your hands at the end? Yeah, always wash your hands after podcasting. Thanks for listening to the Good Judgment Podcast. This podcast was originally the brainchild of Mr. Doug Ashworth, who is the executive director of ICJE. Special thanks to the University of Georgia College of Law, and specifically to Mr. Jim Henneberger. Thanks to Mr. Stephen Turner and his company, Turner Up Media, for editing out as much of our stupidity as he can. But he can't get it all. We are eternally grateful to the Council of Superior Court Judges who allow us to lead NJO, that's New Judge Orientation, for new Superior Court Judges and for their support of this project. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions of CSCJ, ICJE, the UGA College of Law, or anyone else for that matter. These are barely the opinions of Wade Padgett and Tang Kell, so we definitely aren't speaking for anyone else. You can contact us on our website, goodjudgepod.com. Or send us an email at goodjudgepod at gmail.com. So, Tane, I guess we better bang the gavel on this episode. Anything else you feel like we need to say? Only, to quote Janet Jackson, that's the end. Thanks for listening to the Good Judge Men Podcast.